Yeah. Frozen water was definitely a thing. Slept, I pretty much slept with it like in my sleeping bag, not only for the water, but for the Sawyer, uh, the squeeze. And every morning it was putting on frozen shoes. And then in the afternoon, it was we would take the time when the sun was out to lay everything out and try to try to not only thaw things out, but to dry them as best we could. The worst time of the day is in the morning, though, when you're trying to get ready and pack everything up. I can always start again. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan. With no new message this week, sorry, but this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is PCP, known off trail as Chelsea Fisher. She knocked out the AT in 2017, the Long Trail in 2018, and the PCT in 2019. So in this episode, we compare and contrast each of the trails. We also dig into Frostnip. It's a thing, I promise. Jade necklaces. And the night a bear came to visit. Oh, and uh, what the heck PCP stands for? You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with PCP. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good, all things considered. <laughs> it's a very strange world we live in right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Because these are strange times, let's talk about something a lot more fun. Like, through hiking. Through hiking is fun. And it feels like once you did the AT, you kind of caught the bug for it. Oh, yeah. I caught the bug within, like, the first 100 miles of the AT. And I knew from there that I would go on and, and through-hike more trails. The first 100 miles. Okay. See, yeah. I haven't through-hiked yet. So, please, tell me tell me how the bug is caught. Because I'm I, I'm actually nervous. not sure how I got it. Because my first 100 miles was pretty rough. I ended up getting blisters so bad that it actually took me off of trail for a whole week. But in that week, I never thought about quitting. And I was already thinking about finishing the AT and going on to hike the PCT. But I think it's just the community that you meet right off the bat that kind of, that, that opens your mind to what it is out there that you're doing. And so even with these, okay, talk to me about these blisters. What, (laughs) where did you get them and what did they cause from? And they were terrible. So I started the trail in a pair of Solomon, like, I don't know, hike trail runners, I guess, essentially, and learned pretty quickly that they were not designed for my foot. So they were just constantly rubbing on the the outside of my my foot and got these terrible blisters to the point where uh, it almost looks like it was infected. I don't know if it actually was, but my foot swelled up. It was just edema to the point where I couldn't walk anymore. And I was fortunate enough to know a couple that I actually met right before the trail 
So I stayed with them at their house for a week in Georgia. And they, they took me to REI and got me set up with a new pair of ultra trail runners, which ended up being a better fit for me. And yeah, I just got back on trail and, and kept pushing forward. When you got those blisters, did you keep hiking or did you... Yeah, I, I first got them thinking, oh, this, this is normal. Everyone gets blisters. Uh, but after a couple of days of of pushing through it, I realized that it was, it was not possible to keep going and that my, my best option was to get off trail and let them heal up as best as they could. But changing my socks and shoes, I mean, did wonders for my feet. What did you change your socks to? Um, the darn tough. So okay. I went to like the pretty standard through hiking darn tough and ultra. What did you have before? Uh, I was wearing a pair of smart wolves to start. Okay. And and as yeah. you're sitting there with your feet prop your foot propped up trying to medic blisters, never never in your mind was the thought that you don't go back out there? Nope, never even crossed my <laughs> mind. No, I don't know I don't know if it's because I was like already in that mindset of I'm doing this and it was still so early on. Yeah, I just kept going. I it was helpful having the, the couple that I stayed with, so backstory in my preparation for the AT, I I was traveling to the closest REI, which was in Pittsburgh for me. And I met this man, uh, D-Man is actually his trail name. And he hooked me up with this ride with uh, this pretty notorious through hiker um, geek who is known for having hiked with his cat um, <laughs> in the early years of through hiking. Um, so I got, a, I got a, rail, a ride down to Georgia with him. And they do an annual uh, St. Patrick's Day trail magic at Gooch Gap. Uh So I went down and I got to participate in that before I even started the trail. So I was just like, say like I met all these people who were helping me along the way. And I kind of owed it to them to to keep going, given that they had helped me get on trail and then get back off within a week. And I just knew that I had to get back on and kind of prove to them that I I was able to do it. That you were a through hiker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that they weren't just helping someone who was only going to make it 100 miles into the trail. <laughs> so you had, <laughs> you had a little uh, maybe unconscious peer pressure. Yeah, definitely. But you hiked the AT in 2017, which was, okay, the AT is a rather wet trail, but wetter than normal. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was definitely raining most of the trail for me, but I kind of, expected that I guess why just because of the the history of the AT being a wet trail I'm not sure (laughs) I guess I didn't expect like how much it would be raining or to what extent (laughs) but I just I just kept going (laughs) thinking that it was normal every day you're like tomorrow will be sunny well maybe tomorrow will be sunny I will say that um with the rain at the beginning of the trail it kind of it subconsciously forced me into like a shelter life. I definitely spent a lot of nights in the shelters because it was easier than, than setting up a tent and having to pack up a wet tent, putting it away. Um, but eventually got into like the summer where it was a little bit warmer and uh, the boats were coming out. So kind of shifted away from the shelters. How were the shelters other than easier than tents? Um, now that I've hiked the PCT, I'm thinking about shelters and I would never sleep in one again. But Why? at the time, at the time they were great. The the mice, mice were absolutely uh, terrible. The, the cleanliness of them, uh, 
the lack of privacy. Yeah, I've definitely had a, a, a big shift in in my what I find comfortable in the in the through hikes that I've done because I love the shelters at first, and now since then I I've I've had a tarp where you like have a little bit of a shelter but not so much privacy, and now I have like a, a full on tent where I love to just get away and have my own little space and not have to worry about people around me. Yeah, I saw your picture of your tent in a that was on the PCT, I think where it kind of collapsed on you a little bit and yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the Hyperlight echo two shelter. I actually won that in a raffle at the AT trail days in 2017. And it's a great tent. Uh, I actually never really liked it. I, I just liked the fact that I could fold it up and throw it in my tent and or throw it in my pack and not really have to worry about space in my tent or in my pack. I'm sorry. <laughs> or both. <laughs> or, yeah. Both. Um, but yeah, and the PCT didn't really hold up very well. I had it for all of the desert and I probably set it up four times. So that picture, there's a couple pictures where it had fallen and it was because I couldn't quite get the stakes down and the trekking poles just wouldn't stand up properly. I, I, care, I cowboy camped a lot of the desert, so. You cowboy camped a lot of the PCT in general. Yeah, for the desert. Um, and then it became time where I was going into the Sierra and, and then I needed, I needed a shelter that was going to protect me from the elements. And then I switched to the Nemo Hornet elite one person, which I kept through the rest of the trail. But again, going back to your whole cowboy camping thing. Yeah. How much, once you got out of the Sierras, how much did you actually use the tent as opposed to just cowboy camp? I think that's when I started finding the comfort in the tent. So oh, okay. I might've cowboy camped a few other times throughout like Northern California to Washington. But yeah, most of my cowboy camping was in the desert. I probably only set up my tarps four times in the first 600, 700 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was cold and I'm, I'm a very cold person. So I think once I realized how much warmer it was inside my tent, then cowboy camping didn't seem as appealing to me. Did you switch out going into the Sierra? Did you switch out any else, any other of your gear or just the tent essentially? From my AT setup to my PCT setup, it was all pretty similar. Um, I did end up getting a warmer Western mountaineering uh, mummy bag. And I did pick up a stove for the Sierra. Okay. Um, I actually, a girl I went to high school with, her husband worked for Mountain House. And she was like, oh, I'll send you a bunch of Mountain House backpacking <laughs> meals. And I was like, well, I guess I better get a stove for those then. So I did get a stove. Um, and then I was just like the normal, you know, I had to get an ice axe, bear mm-hmm. can, micro spikes. And I got a few more layers. And I honestly should have gotten a lot more because when I went into the Sierra, it was, I was not prepared in the sense of, the how cold it was actually going to be so did you just you obviously survived but you were just very uncomfortable essentially oh yeah yeah i mean i went in pretty early i think there was only one or two groups that went in ahead of us and it was i mean it was pretty scary conditions a lot of like white out conditions just blizzards when you're out there uh yeah it was essentially just hiking for a month and a half in the middle of winter. <laughs> Yay! But it was just the Sierra. It was just the Sierra. <laughs> what gave you the confidence to 
go in there in those type of conditions? I really don't know. I was not that confident going in. When I reached Kennedy Meadows, kind of was uncertain of what was going to happen. A lot of people at that point were deciding to get off trail because they didn't want to go in or people were going to flip. And it was just, it was a very uneasy time at Kennedy Meadows because no one knew what they were doing. Um, and at that point, then I, I kind of lost the trail family I had and didn't even know who I was going into the Sierra with. So we spent probably a, almost a week at Kennedy Meadows kind of formulating groups and, and plans. So I just ended up in a group of six guys and hoped that they had the skills and knowledge that would that would get me through. Were any of them wilderness or or snow uh had snow yeah, experience yeah a couple there was a few of us that like weren't didn't have the experience but there was one guy in particular from switzerland who who definitely like took the lead for us he had a lot of hiking and snow experience and and he he knew what he was doing which gave me a lot of confidence yeah uh, it's that, that was wild last year I can only imagine the the conundrum you reach when you get to Kennedy Meadows and you're like, what next? Yeah, I, w- I was pretty determined to go through, though. Flipping okay. was not, I wanted to at least go in and try mm. um, and then have to, to alter my plan then. I wasn't just going to flip right at Kennedy, Me- Kennedy Meadows. Without trying? Without trying. And I mean, it was it was a challenge, but we were able to push through. And honestly, I think, I think having gone in earlier ended up being better for us. Um, we had snow bridges and the, the, the snow hadn't melted, so it wasn't as dangerous to do the river crossings. They were so brutal, but had we gone in a few weeks later when like the bubble had reached Kennedy Meadows, it was easy to see just through social media that people were having to decide to, to bail out or flip because they couldn't they couldn't get across rivers or it just was no longer safe. So, yeah. Well, and I feel like the passes were the snow conditions, the the snow in general, I should say was a little bit firmer still at that point too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We were still waking up. I mean, we were getting up at three, 4am to, to get hiking before because the sun was still hot. So in the Mm -hmm. afternoon, like you'd still get some slushy snow. So our goal was to try to stay on, on hard packed snow and try to get as many miles in as we could to avoid that. But how was that? I mean, one of the things that it's so funny talking to through hikers, you know, they, they do generally get up early to start hiking early to get the miles in and that kind of thing. But having to get up at three or four o'clock in the morning, day after day is a grind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am not a morning person. So I struggled (laughs) with it. (laughs) But but have being in a group you and you kind of like, you can't be holding everyone else up. So for me, like, it was just you got to get up, you got to get moving and you'll start warming up. So that was like, the positive part of it as well. But in my group, like there was always a couple people that were kind of slower in the morning and then we're all standing there um, ready to go and getting cold because we're not moving, but we're waiting for the last couple people to to get ready. So you just kind of owe it to the people you're hiking with to just get up and get moving. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the that's the challenge of a group is 
everybody being ready to do the same things at the same time. Yeah, we we definitely struggled with that. Towards the end, we kind of realized that we we were better off not necessarily breaking apart into two groups, but throughout the day we we were at different speeds. So we had like four of us that were much quicker. So we were we were just able to move faster, and we'd have to like stop and wait for the people behind us. So we ended up deciding that we were going to kind of take off in the morning and stick into two groups, but like we would meet up at the end of the day or at lunch or wherever. So then we didn't have that, like, I don't know. The, I don't know what the right word would be, but we were just, we were struggling as a group to stay together all day long. But I think aggravation is a word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely found myself a little aggravated at times, but we worked it out. <laughs> once you decided to go into the Sierras, was there a moment at all once you were in there where you really questioned going in there and maybe wanting to turn around? Uh, turning around never made sense as a, as a, as a group or uh, it never made sense to turn around. We were always going to push forward to the next spot. Um, so the first part was not as bad. When we got to Forrester Pass, like that was the first moment I was like, okay, this is actually very, very dangerous and kind of got me to, start thinking about the the next couple of sections where we were going to be doing more passes. So when we made it to Bishop and decided to take five days there because the weather was saying that there was, there were storms coming in at that point, we definitely started considering flipping, uh, just like skipping over the Sierra and then going back later on. But somehow within those five days, we decided we were going to go in again and, and decide and see what it was like and keep pushing forward. And so we just kept going and kept going. Eventually reached Mammoth and then did the same thing. So we kind of took it just section by section. Yeah, because it feels like once you get in, you know, and until you get to that next point where you can come off, you're sort of stuck. Oh, yeah. There's nothing out there. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly that year. Even even when we were getting too close to, like, the points where we could get off trail, we were nervous that people weren't going to be out hiking, that we wouldn't be able to hitch back down. It took us quite a while to get a hitch into Bishop, because um, that's a, a very long, windy road up into the mountain. And luckily, someone was going out there to do some backcountry skiing and then offered to give us a ride back down when they finished. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but but yeah, I can see the that's always going to be the challenge of getting into Bishop, particularly early in the season is are there going to be bodies out there? Yeah. I feel like probably a couple of weeks earlier, there wouldn't have been anyone. So mm -hmm. timing was of the essence for us. Well, I guess it always plays on luck, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the very least we would have just had to hike into town down that long windy road, but right. But how many miles? No one wants that? to do that. It's, it was a lot. I couldn't even tell you for sure. It felt like a long ways in a car, so to walk it would be pretty pressure. Yeah, it would have not <laughs> been fun. No. <laughs> uh, circling back to the AT for a moment. There, yeah. You mentioned in your, in your pictures, but also, obviously, there is this four-state challenge thing. Yeah. And so, yo, go for it. 
I was just going to say, uh, it was not really a plan to participate in the four state challenge. When we, I had been hiking in a group of, I had a pretty solid trail family, but we kind of had to do our own things there for a little bit. And people started getting injuries and getting off trail for a little bit. Um, so we went into Harper's Ferry. It was myself and two other guys. And we were going to get off trail and take a couple of zeros at one of their houses. His wife, who had gotten off trail for uh, an injury, was going to come pick us up. And then we were going to get back on in a few days. And then it turned out that he, Frisbee, was going to just stay off trail with his wife, Stubbs, and they were going to get on later. So I was with a kid, Gumby, and we were like, well, you know what, let's let's get on trail and just do a four-state challenge and get some miles in. So we actually went back and re-hiked those, those few miles into Harper's Ferry and did the, the 43.9 miles that day. It took us 17 and a half hours. It was on my birthday, actually, so that was exciting. Yeah. But yeah, it was just something fun to do. I think it was the first and only time I've done 40 miles in a day. So just one of those things to see what you're actually capable of doing. And was that literally, it was your birthday and why not? Nothing better to do today? Yeah, I mean, we got back on trail after the three zeros. Um, it was like eight in the morning and we're like, well, we could just get back on at Harper's Ferry. We could go back the couple miles or whatever it was. And we're like, might as well give it a try. And we didn't know for sure if we were going to decide later that day that we were done or if we were going to go for it. And we felt good. At least I felt good. I'm pretty sure the kid Gumby that I was with was, was struggling because the next day he requested that we only go like six or eight miles, which <laughs> which is not very many, but no. he needed to recover. <laughs> so uh, speaking of Gumby, uh, you make an interesting reference about wanting to strangle Gumby, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Gumpy and I had uh, quite the relationship. He was like a little brother I, I never wanted to be hiking with. But <laughs> no, we were we were good friends. But at, at that point, um, like I said, the everyone else we were hiking with had fallen back or had gotten off for a brief period of time for injury. So at that point, it was just he and I. So it's the point of the trail also where you, you kind of, you realize that you're never alone. So we just had spent a lot of time together, but he'll laugh if he hears this. So we had a good time <laughs> together. <laughs> Wanting to strangle somebody doesn't mean you don't love them. Right, right. <laughs> Did you get, so you had a trail family. It spread up, it broke apart a little bit. You had Gumby. Was there ever any thought in your mind of going forward, I guess, on your own or just you know, kind of leaving um, him behind a little bit just because you wanted to get miles or. or yeah. So I ended up actually shortly after that going into Pennsylvania at the point that was like the closest for me to get home in Western New York. I decided that I was going to just go home for a week and kind of just regroup and uh, just spend some time at home. So when I did that, that was the point where getting back on trail, I didn't really know if I'd be able to catch back up with anyone that I knew or what would happen, but I just kind of fell into another family. And, and then by the time we got up towards the end, my two trail families kind of came together, which was cool. Uh, <laughs> so I, I got to finish with a, a few people from both of my trail families. How did the trail, the tramleys, uh, form for you? Was it just people that you were around, started talking to people in shelters and, you know, hiking with people, that kind of thing? 
I would so the, the first week that I was on trail, I instantly was in a, a trail family. So when I had to get off for the blisters, I I remember they left me in a in a hotel in Hiawassee, and I was I was so sad because I was like that was my trail family, and it's funny because I the day I got back on trail, I was instantly in a new trail family, and that's who I spent almost the entirety of the trail with. And I don't know if it's like if you just fall into a trail family that's right for you or if it's just the community and you fall into a group of people that that you just have this goal and you just you kind of learn about yourself while you're learning about other people was your plan i guess plan is probably the wrong word but when you (laughs) started the trail did you plan on kind of falling into a trail family or it just sort of happened yeah i knew that having other people was going to be essential in my in my completion of the trail (laughs) not that i looking back now not that i couldn't do a trail solo um but it's just such a long time and you don't want to you don't want to be alone for all of that and the experience is is about the people as well (laughs) it's funny you you saying that just reminds me of or makes me flash on uh tip taps video Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. It is the people. It is the people. Because I was literally just telling a friend of mine, a non-thru-hiker friend of mine, that she needed to watch it. So it's it was very fresh on my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Her videos have been amazing. Yeah. And very touching. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Every time I watch some of them, I start to tear up a little bit. And I haven't even been on the trail yet. (laughs) Yeah, so I, it's funny because I'll, I'll compare the AT and the PCT before I say what I'm going to say. On the <laughs> okay. AT, I, I never, I never once thought about quitting and I didn't want it to end. Like once I got to Maine, like I didn't want it to be over. When I was on the PCT, I felt like I was in a constant state of rush. Like, especially by the time I got to Oregon, I was just like, I want to be done. Like I'm ready for this trail to be over. And there had been multiple times at that point where I was like, eh, I could just be done. But now I've seen a couple of TikToks videos and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to be back out there. Like, why did I rush that? Why did I want it to be over? Why do you think you wanted it to be over? I am not sure. I don't know. I mean, I had the time of my life. I loved everyone that I was hiking with. Um, everything about it was great. But for some reason, there was just this this sense and pressure of of completing it. And and I mean, the the family that I've fallen into, we were we were quick. So we were, we were ahead of the bubble by quite a bit. By the time we got to Oregon and Washington, we'd already passed all the people that had flipped over the Sierra and were ahead of us. And then, and then somehow we were the, the, the lead again. So we weren't meeting a lot of new people. So we were just kind of like the same four to six of us that were just together. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Meaning the the pressure yeah. of everybody, or maybe it was a, a community pressure of moving, of getting the miles in or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but we were also pre- uh, pushing to get to Canada because we wanted to make sure that we made it to trail days. Because we knew right. if we didn't finish in time, we weren't going to be able to go back because it didn't make sense to go to trail days and then go hike for four more days. So we definitely had that on our, our mind. You guys were fast enough that you were going to potentially finish before trail days as opposed to slow down enough so that you hit Cascade Locks right at trail days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were were definitely, if we weren't going to finish in time, we would have been 
two to four days behind. So at that point, it wouldn't have made sense to mm-hmm. to go back down to Cascade Box and then go back up. Because in northern Washington, it's it's travel's not as easy. Right. It's a little bit like the Sierras again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Would you do the PCT again, maybe, and take it a little slower? I... I would definitely do it again. I I guess I wouldn't even think about if I needed to go fast or slow, but because I didn't, I didn't have a timeline when I started. It was just mm-hmm. go out there and and finish it. So I don't know. I guess every through hike kind of just worked its way out the way it works out. So you're you're of the it will be what it will be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely plans to hike again. PCT, I wouldn't hike the PCT again before I, I did a few other trails, but. Like finished your triple? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it just makes sense to <laughs> to, to get that CDT in there. So that's that's the potential plan for uh, 2021. Copy. It's just, <laughs> you know, inevitable. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really know what 2020 has in store, but. I don't think Who anybody knows, maybe, does at this uh, point. No, if yeah, I'm actually I have I have a flight to Georgia next week. I'm supposed to do a little reunion hike on the AT with everyone that I hiked with in 2017. So we'll see if that is going to happen or not. Have um, you guys uh, touched base lately? <laughs> uh, yeah, we've we've actually had a Facebook Messenger uh, group text since we finished. Um, mm-hmm. and we've been taught like every day someone says something in this message, but yeah. So at this point, there's a couple people that were originally not going to come that think they might come now because like they've, they like one's in Breckenridge and like they just lost their job. So they're going home yeah. sooner. And, but overall, I think we'll, we'll have to make a decision as a group if it's wiser not to do it, given that the actual through hikers are having to make that decision. So I guess every year something is thrown at the through hiker, the the new through hikers. Yeah. This, this is just... just a very different scenario though. This is something else. Yeah. This is, this is pretty wild, honestly. Yeah. I, I'm certainly taking it day by day because I'm supposed to start on April 4th. So I'm on the PCT. Yeah. On the PCT. Okay. Uh, I wasn't aware uh, of that. Very cool. Yeah. But, uh, I'm, Literally taking it day by day, just kind of watching the news, hoping that, you know, the two week period will really kind of open things back up again. And I don't know, though. We'll see. Yeah, it's hard to know what's going to happen. I mean, where I live in Western New York, we've just um, started doing like the like all of restaurants, bars, Mm -hmm. everything's been shut down, everything's canceled. So I'm out of work right now because I work in the service industry. So yeah, anything could happen in two weeks. So I know, right? It's it's wild times. But uh, circling back to to the trails for a second, I think my favorite post that you did was the, <laughs> my absolute favorite post. Both the picture and the and the post itself uh, was on the PCT when you posted you were cowboy or sort of cowboy camping. And you had, uh, the post was 10% chance of rain, 10% effort, 100% rain, 50% requ- uh, regret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that night very well. 
yeah, I we all checked the weather. We all knew it could rain. So I, I did set up my tarp as best I could. We were kind of in this little like manzanita forest. So I didn't quite have the space required for my tarp. And then I just gotten in. It was still daylight. It had like, it, we weren't even ready to go to bed and my tarp had already fallen. And I made the decision that that's where it was going to stay, that it was just going to act as a blanket. And <laughs> it, you know it most certainly, yeah, it most certainly rained the entire night. It was like a mist rain, so it wasn't terrible, okay. but um, no, we, we were hiking into uh, uh, hiker heaven the next day. So we, we sort of were able to dry out there, even though there's, it just kept raining for the next couple of days, but. So you yeah, were, that, go for it. I was just going to say that tarp is potentially going to be for sale. If anyone listening to this, is <laughs> it's you, funny because I did to... post that picture and someone did ask if I was ever going to be selling it. I nearly had it sold before I entered the Sierra, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that moment, like looking at that picture, you're laying there. I'm assuming you have your ground, you know, tie back yep. or whatever down versus being flat on the ground, but it does literally look like the the tent is a blanket, like a, a big plastic blanket that you have over you. Yeah, and that's how I kept it. <laughs> Was there any moment in that night as it's, we'll, we'll go with your uh, misting reference, as it's starting to <laughs> mist, that you're contemplating you know, getting up and actually like putting it up or did you just literally pull it over your head and be like, okay, we're done. I just kind of pulled it over my head. I put my pack under to kind of like lift it a little bit. Um, but no, I just suffered through the night. Um, I don't, did you happen to see the other picture of my tarp? It would have been shortly after that, but I, it had gotten flooded out. Yes. Um, where it was that night. Saggy. Yeah. That night I nearly just packed up and was going to hike out, but it was that was that night was that was terrible that was like a lightning thunderstorm yeah we even the friend next to me their tarp was like just full it's funny because we were on the top of a hill so i don't know it's just a bad spot a lot of rain but you seem to have a rain thing when you through hike oh yeah yeah i um i don't know if you're aware but i also hiked a long trail in Mm -hmm. 2018 and I, I hiked it in October because I, I listened <laughs> to a podcast of uh, Nathan Baum and Puma who had recommended hiking in October. And I was like, okay, great. Like, this is perfect. It's a great time for me to get off work. So I go out on October 1st and it's raining and I'm like, okay, no, no worries. Like I'm going to get some fall foliage and some sunshine later on in the trail. And I just got 19 days of, of rain and snow. <laughs> like it was miserable. <laughs> I don't think, I, I think I saw the sun once in those three weeks, <laughs> but yeah, the long, the long trail with or without rain is a, is a brutal trail. How does it compare to the AT and the PCT? Um, well, the first hundred miles of the long trail is in conjunction with the AT. So I had, I had done that already. So doing that section again was just kind of like, all right, I'm just out here to hike. And once it breaks off and it's just the long trail, uh, you can really tell a difference in the trail maintenance. Um, it's not as well hiked or maintained. I remember there was the Red Loaf Wilderness. It was just 
trees down, like you couldn't even tell that there was a trail there, let alone follow white blazes. But being a shorter trail, it was easier for me to say, I'll be done in a few days. Like I can finish this. Like it's nothing compared to a six month long hike. Right. You can, you can suffer through anything for 19 days. Yeah. Frozen socks and everything. (laughs) That was just preparing you for the Sierras. Yeah. If I only knew, (laughs) if I only knew. How was the frozen, frozen of the Sierras? Like, did you have issues with frozen packs and frozen water and frozen shoes? And Yeah, frozen water was definitely a thing. Slept, I pretty much slept with it, like, in my sleeping bag, not only for the water, but for the Sawyer, uh, the squeeze. And uh, every morning it was putting on frozen shoes and then in the afternoon, it was we would take the time when the sun was out to lay everything out and try to try to not only thaw things out but to dry them as best we could. The worst time of the day is in the morning, though, when you're trying to get ready and pack everything up. And you're trying to put on frozen socks and frozen shoes. Yeah, yeah. How did your feet hold up with all of that wet? I okay, so I don't. I didn't get frostbite, but I. I guess they call it frost nip. Um, <laughs> it was I. I still barely had sensation in my toes by the time I reached Canada. Like, I I, I definitely struggle with the cold. So just wearing a pair of a couple pairs of darn tufts and ultra trail runners and just trekking through the snow for for that long of a long period of time, it was it was hard. I did end up getting a pair of neoprene waterproof socks, which made a huge difference keeping my feet drier for a couple hours in the morning, but eventually they would soak through. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't struggle with any like blisters or any serious frostbite of any sort, but right, just the cold, just the cold, (laughs) the neoprene socks, were they like seal skin type of things or were they just a neoprene, like a wetsuity type material? Um, I actually don't know. I, I got them from someone who's getting off trail and Bishop. They, they were like, they said Merry Christmas on them and they were way too big for me. I just knew that they potentially could save my toes. So mm-hmm. um, they were just waterproof of, of some sort. I don't really even know that they, what the brand was. Was there anybody else in your group that was having issues with frostbite or anything like that? Um, not in my group, but uh, Jeeves, the guy who I ended up hiking quite a bit with from Northern California to the end, he, he went in probably a week before me and he got frostbite to the point where he was probably going to lose a toe. Um, but his decision to get off trail, um, was actually a, a good decision because he was able to, to heal it. Or I don't really know how frostbite works, but he had it pretty bad. He, he loved to show the picture of his, his frostbitten toe. I'm trying to think if that was on your feet or maybe I've just seen somebody else's frostbitten toe, which is the black. Yeah, there was, there was, two guys around me there was uh jeeves gingerballs and uh thor thor was one that he definitely posted on a story or something a picture of his his frostbitten toes and that i think everyone just started sharing that and that Mm -hmm. was like just one of those fear-mongering things where people were seeing that picture and then afraid to go into into the sierra so fear-mongering was a huge aspect of the sierra this year and I tried to, like, I, when I would make posts, I just tried to be, like, 
honest and tell people what they can expect. Like, this is what the river crossings are like right now. And this is what they're probably going to be like. But I think, as you say, like the conditions were changing so fast that it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you deal with the fear mongering or the, the fear people? I mean, there was legitimate fear going into the Sierras last year, but obviously it was magnified and, and thrown around a little bit. Uh, how did you deal with it personally? I think I was just trying to like take all of the information that I had in front of me and, and just make a educated decision on what was the safest option. Yeah. As far as fear mongering goes, like it's going to happen anyway. People mm-hmm. fear monger you about the smallest things when it comes to the trail. What so, do you mean? Um, just like, it's, I don't even, uh, I guess when you, when you get on trail, you'll, I think you'll understand people just are constantly voicing their opinion and trying to like sway you to, to their view on something or trying to scare you out of hiking altogether. I'm not sure. Is this people on the trail or people that you're meeting in towns and things like that? Both, but, but okay. through hikers themselves are definitely, definitely fear mongering other through hikers. Do you think that's because they're legitimately fearful or? I, I have no idea, really. I have no idea. So how did you take that on and process it through and, and I guess discard it or, you know, accept it? For I, tried what it was? To, I tried to ignore it. I tried to just take the information that was actually helpful. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just taking information from people that you trust, I guess. And the internet is not usually the best place to find. <laughs> so yeah. Instagram's great, but. <laughs> In this case, the internet is not your fa- your uh, your friend. Yeah, exactly. You had this great experience. I'm trying to remember where it was with Jade. Yeah. And I'm speaking of both the person and the New Zealand Jade. All right, is it the is it the post I made about the the jade necklaces that we yes. received? Yeah, yeah, that was that was a very cool day. We at this point there was the four of us. Uh, we were in Oregon, and and Jade and I we had all the supplies we needed. We didn't need to go into town, but uh, the two guys we were with needed supplies. So we decided we were just gonna stick together. We were gonna go in, like get some snacks, maybe eat some food. And then we're going to get back on trail. And so we went to a Mexican restaurant, had some food, headed over to the grocery store. And then we were, um, we had this couple kind of was following us around and then they eventually approached us and we're like, you should come stay with us. Like we would love to be trail angels for the night. We want to help you. And we were all a little hesitant. We were like, no, we really need to get back on trail and, and, and make miles. And then we we decided like what the heck we'll go. It was probably the hot tub that they mentioned later <laughs> decision, but yeah. So we ended up at this this really nice couple's house, and so we were going through all like the introductions and kind of telling our story. And given that Jade's name is Jade, the, the mm-hmm. guy was saying, "Oh, I have all of this New Zealand Jade. Like I go over and I get it, and I'm creating jewelry for like for pieces, and I sell them." And then I told them that when I went to New Zealand, I actually. I made my own necklace there, but it was, it was stolen from me out of my luggage, like on a flight home. And so then they come back down and they have three necklaces of Jade and one other like fish hook. 
so he chose which one we each got and then the fish hook went to the one guy and he actually has the same exact tattoo on his leg so it was just like everything went full circle and it was like we were meant to be there um it was just a really cool experience and they were great people did you sort of wonder because you say they were following you around (laughs) They were kind of like, I think they were like eyeballing us to to make sure that they weren't going to regret asking us to come stay at their home. Yeah. Um, So I think they were there. They know the hiking community. So they're aware of what was happening. But But you can just picture them off to the side. What do you think, honey? Should should we do this? I don't know. We ended up up finding out that they were at the Mexican restaurant we we were at as well. So they they definitely saw us there and then saw us at the grocery store. So. I think they were just, yeah, <laughs> they're like, are we going to be able to get the scent out of, out of our house after this? Or <laughs> How was the stench? I mean, I, I'm used to it at this point, but it's just the normal through hiking stench. I, I don't think it's funny because on the AT, I noticed my smell way more. Um, I would get in my sleeping bag at night and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I smell like I'm, I'm burning, like I'm burnt. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was, I don't know if it was my diet or my muscles, like it was a very weird smell, but yeah, you just get used to the lack of showers and the, the, the smell of your gear. How long did it take you to get used to that? Um, not, not long. I mean, it was just a part of it get used to like not showering for 12 days or however long it is. <laughs> right. Had you done much hiking before the AT? No, actually, like I had done day hikes and like I, I go up to Adirondacks quite, quite a bit and do some high peaks, but I had never actually done any overnight camping before the AT. So that was a new experience for me. So what got you to the start of the AT? Uh, I, I, so I didn't have any like plans or dreams of it. Like a lot of people say, like it was not something that I've been, been dying to do for years. I think it was just that I had, I've been traveling for a few years before and I got into like, like the travel backpacking aspect of things. And then I was meeting people that were doing like very cool and exciting things. And then the idea of the AT was there. And then I met someone from a neighboring town had who at that point had triple crowned and now to this day has probably got more miles than anyone I've ever even thought about. And he was like, you know what? You like, you travel, you spend your time doing this. Why not try something new? And so I just decided, I think it was like November, December, 2016 that I was like, okay, it's an idea. And then by January I was buying gear and then March, Actually, I think it's my three-year AT. I started, yeah, three years ago tomorrow, I think. Wow. So, yeah. So it was just kind of something that I was throwing myself into. Um, and then I I fell for it, and now I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> you fell for the advertisement. It's beautiful. It's just a long walk. Beautiful vistas. <laughs> yeah. 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 You may smell a little bit, but, you know, you'll get over that. and. <laughs> How did your gear change? How did it evolve over the course of the AT and then between the AT and the PCT? It, it changed a lot in the first couple hundred miles of the AT. Um, like I said, like the AT was just a random, a random plan that just kind of happened. 
So as far as preparation, I, I didn't focus a lot on that. I was just kind of buying the things that I thought I would like. Uh, so when I went out on the AT, leaving Amicalola, my pack weighed with food and water 33 pounds. And I started with a Deuter pack. I had a Big Agnes Fly Creek. I had the REI Jewel sleeping bag and just like a bunch of random things. And it was when I was getting back on trail after the blisters where I had gotten the ultra shoes. Um, that, so that was my first big change. But then I had seen these two hikers, Frisbee and Stubbs, who I spent a lot of the trail with. And they had these tiny, tiny little packs. And I was like obsessed with what they had going on. And so I just like, I just had this mission to like get rid of all the things I didn't need. And then I switched my pack to a Hyperlite and I got a Western Mountaineering uh, mummy bag and I got rid of my stove. I was stoveless. So I just, I made it my mission to just get as light as I possibly could to a certain degree because it, it is expensive to be ultralight. But I yeah. ended up getting my pack down to, it never really went above 20 pounds with food and water for the rest of the trail. Wow. Um, and I kept basically the same setup for the PCT, but I think I actually ended up like adding weight throughout the PCT because once I, I got my stove in the Sierra, I kept that and I switched to a heavier tent. But yeah, it, for me, it was just getting rid of the little things that you don't actually need. Like what? Um, so I started the AT. I had a journal. I didn't need that. I found that I didn't need a hat or sunglasses on the AT, which I ended up living in on the PCT. Like a first aid kit, I didn't I didn't need to carry all the things I had with that. What was in your final first aid kit? I don't know that I really... I think I had like maybe a couple band-aids when I finished the PCT. <laughs> if that, I'm like trying to think. I So I have like, I wear contacts and I have glasses. So like I have all those extra little things that... I have to have that. I was just like, okay, if I need a bandaid, there's so many other hikers out here. I'm bound to find a bandaid or like, do I really need a bandaid that bad? <laughs> I'm not actually I don't know. bleeding out. I don't need a bandaid. Yeah. Like <laughs> so there's a lot of things that people convince you you need before you start a through hike. But once you're out there, you can make the decision for yourself, whether, whether it's necessary or not. I, I didn't need a book. You 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 think that you're going to have all this free time on a through hike and you realize at the beginning of the trail, you're, you're spending all the time that you're not hiking, trying to get to know all the other hikers around you. So you get to camp and you're just, you're chatting and, and then you don't really have time to journal or, or read a book. Um, and then by the end of the trail, you've gotten to know everyone, but you're too exhausted to even think about reading a page of your book. So. How many hours a day were you hiking, do you think, on average? Mm, on average, I never got up too early. So, like, on a normal hiking day, maybe I'd get going by 7.30 or 8. And I would never hike too much later than that in the evening. Like, anywhere from 5 to 7, I'd be done. And that's with, like, quite a few breaks throughout. I think I, I think that I'm a fairly fast hiker. Um, so I'm able to put miles down eat pretty easily. Meaning that you don't have to do the extra hours of, of hiking in order to get the miles Yeah, Yeah. Like I, I, I never really had to night hike just to get miles in. If I was night hiking, it was because I was pushing to get to town or there was a different goal in mind. 
How was night hiking? I'm not a fan of night hiking. I have a I have a hard time visually. Mm-hmm. So I don't like I hate headlamps. I don't like not being able to see around me. But I've definitely I've definitely had to do it. Like for the Sierra the mornings, I would just be waiting for the sun to come up. <laughs> as the as the uh because you're basically up in the snow for the most of it, right? Yeah. So you're waiting for the small little bits of, of sun to creep over the mountains so that it will illuminate <laughs> or start because the, the snow will start reflecting it. Yeah. So it will be brighter uh, than it actually is, which is nice. But no, I found I also had a terrible headlamp for the Sierra. So I, there would be like someone behind me who had this like super, super bright headlamp and then my shadow would be casted and then I couldn't see my own feet. So I was, just, <laughs> I was miserable. <laughs> I was miserable. Do you know what their headlamp was? I have no idea, but that thing had like an extra button that just made it. I think they used the word turbo. So I bet if you typed in headlamp turbo, like (laughs) they would come up. It was extreme. It was a, it was a bright headlamp for sure. It sounds like you're talking about a Ferrari engine or something. (laughs) Yeah. What else did you switch out or on the AT and or change out for the PCT? Um, I mean, I've I've had the same hyperlight pack that I switched to in the first like couple hundred miles of the AT, and I'll probably just continue to use that until there's nothing left of it. I had a Western Mountaineering Caribou, which was too cold for me when I started the PCT, so I ended up having to splurge and get a Versalite once I got into Idlewild. Uh, so that was that was a change. Um, yeah, I don't. Well, I switched from the tarp to the Nemo Hornet, uh, which is great. Uh, did you sleep on a inflatable pad, or did you do? Yeah, I had all along the the Thermarest Neo Air, the yellow one that everyone has. Uh, I always carried the Z Pack food bag. I don't know. I feel like those are the main things. What was your favorite piece of gear? Ooh. Um, <laughs> I've never thought about that before. Uh, have you always just taken your, your gear for granted? I maybe, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't, I, I, I feel like I'm betraying my gear now, but <laughs> I've never thought about it. I've never been like a gear junkie. Like all of, like everyone that I hiked the AT with that's still in this group message, they're constantly posting about like, these new things that are coming out and they're like always wanting to upgrade and sell their old stuff. And I've just have the same thing, but I don't know, maybe I'll get, give a shout out to gut hook because I didn't have gut hook on the AT and I loved it on the PCT. What were you using for navigation on the AT? Uh, there's an AWOL guidebook. Okay. So I actually carried like the book and I kind of use that as my journal. Like every night I would, I would write, like do lines across to say, this is where I started and this is where I ended. And I'd like do little highlights and notes, uh, write down the mileage. And so it's kind of like my journal. I can look back at it if I want and, and kind of remember like, cause it has an elevation profile. So I remember mm-hmm. I would write at the top <laughs> of an elevation. I'd be like, Oh, that was the worst. Or like, <laughs> I just comment on, on what it what it was going on that day, but with gut hook, yeah, that changed hiking for sure. Was gut hook the only source of navigation that you had? 
Yes. Yeah. Did you also have like an inReach or spot or something like that? I didn't use anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I hiked with Jade. She had that and she was in contact with her parents, which is great. I think knowing someone in your group that has it is, is, is good. But no, I didn't feel the need to have anything like that. What were your expectations when you started the AT? Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I saw it as an opportunity to try something new and to meet hikers and, and just to see, um, parts of the country that I hadn't. Um, so at that point I'd been, I'd been traveling internationally, but I had realized that I hadn't really been anywhere within the United States. So, I mean, I got to travel across 14 different States there and <laughs> see all these, see all these small communities and yeah. I mean, it opened my eyes to like the goodness in people. Um, people are so willing to help the hiking community. It's it's mind blowing. We definitely do count on the generosity of strangers. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't realized that before I started. I kn- I knew it was a thing. Like I knew I I would encounter it, but I didn't realize to what extent. And then I, looking back now, like having having been set up with the people I was set up with before I even started the trail. Like I was already receiving it before I said I stepped foot on my AT. So, so I was, I'm really looking forward to if it can happen to, to going down to Georgia. Uh, because I was looking forward to finally being able to, to give out some trail magic myself. Yeah. And this yeah. will certainly be a year when people will probably need trail magic even more so. Yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a boost. Yeah. What was your expectation going on to the long trail? Uh, I, I didn't really know. I knew that it was going to be shorter. Um, just kind of like, just something to like keep through hiking going. I, I didn't really have any major thoughts. I just knew that I wanted to get out and hike another trail. I, I, I assumed that I was going to finish because it was shorter. But yeah, having met Annika Navi on the first day definitely made a difference. Say that again. Having that what? I, I had met a girl on, on the first day, and we kind of just like stuck together. And having not, if I hadn't met her, I probably wouldn't have finished the trail. With the weather conditions, um, having someone else there made a huge difference because we weren't seeing any other hikers out there, which was not what I was used to, having come from the AT where there's so many other hikers around you. Would you ever hike solo, like truly solo and just kind of move in and out of the, the tramleys and the bubbles? Uh, yeah, I think at this point I could do that. When I'm thinking about the CDT, I think I have to be more prepared for, for having that mental mentality about it. But it's, it's hard. I think it's hard for the people that go out there thinking that they're going to be able to do it on their own because it's almost impossible to avoid hikers on trail. But yeah, I always, I always go to a trail on my own, but then just end up meeting and being around the people that, that are also out there. So you find your people. Find my people. (laughs) (laughs) What was your expectation going into the PCT? I was just, I was excited for, that was the first time I had been out West at all. I was excited to, just be in like a different part of the country. Um, I was excited for the views and I definitely got a lot of views. So 
We delivered. What? We delivered. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think that I go into through hiking with many expectations. I, I think maybe those that do kind of either are blown away or they're disappointed. So I just try to go out there and experience it for what it is. And what is it for you? <laughs> you opened I, yourself up for that question. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you maybe a few more through hikes and I'll, I'll, I'll understand. But at this point, I'm unsure. I just know it's something that I'm enjoying doing and uh, I'll continue to, I'll continue to do it for as long as I can. I, I think that I've, I'm fortunate to be able to have the flexibility working in the service industry to, to come and work for six months and then take six months off. So I'll uh, continue that lifestyle for as long as I can. You think, you think that it'll be an ongoing journey through hiking journey for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think for at least the next couple of years, I'll, I'll attempt to get a trail each year, whether it's a shorter trail or a longer trail, but yeah, eventually I'm, I'm sure I'll be pulled to do something else. But through hiking is, is kind of where I'm at right now. Did you expect it to get into your bones like that? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. You thought just one and done, it'll be simple. Yeah, and I I honestly don't know if I knew of the Triple Crown before mm-hmm. I started the AT. And like I said, like once I started the AT, I knew instantly that the PCT was my goal. And when I started the PCT, I actually thought there's no way I'll ever do the CDT. It's intimidating. I'm not interested. And here I am thinking about doing it next year. So <laughs> Never say never. <laughs> Did you have much experience with or, or uh, run-ins with animals out there on any of the trails? Yeah. Um so on the AT, I saw quite a few bear and deer, and there was nothing much to that. Uh, the bear were not very intimidating. Uh, we just kind of got to get by them. Uh, I did see a moose in Maine, which was definitely a highlight. That's pretty cool. It was just cool. in the middle of the trail, and I kind of came up on it, and it, it, it scared me at first because it was so close, and I just kind of slowly backed up. Most of the people I, were, I was hiking with were behind me, so I just kind of warned them and eventually we slowly went up and it just stayed there eating and kind of worked <laughs> our way around. But yeah, no, that was cool to see moose. And the PCT, I also thought there's so many snakes on the AT, uh, black rat snakes and rattlesnakes. But on the PCT, animals, like Northern Wash or Northern uh, California, there's so many deer just everywhere on the trail. They would like come around your tent at night, uh, kind of got used to that. I just, they would, I would be walking down the trail and I'd just get startled because there'd just be a deer there. Then I started seeing a couple there in like Washington, but the scariest experience was in Washington. It, this was the night it was just, uh, Jade, myself and little Skittle. And at that point we had gotten kind of, kind of lazy. At least I had. I still had my stove at this point and I had made myself some apple cinnamon oatmeal uh, for dinner and we just went to sleep like any normal night and it was probably like 11 o'clock and I just, I just like 
I heard something. So I sat up and I said a bad word and kind of woke them both up and uh, they were like, no, we didn't hear it. And I was like, oh, okay, like I'm dreaming, like I'm crazy. I didn't actually hear anything. And then I'm just laying there with my eyes wide open and I'm just like listening. And then you can just hear this bear like huffing and puffing outside. And then they're both like, we hear it. So then we're just paranoid because this bear is like literally right outside our tent. And then you can hear its footsteps just like pounding on the ground. And then we go into full panic mode and I'm, I'm grabbing my pot and like banging the spoon on it and I'm strobing my flashlight at my phone and we're all clapping and screaming and making as much noise as we possibly could, but it was still just right out there. Probably like within 10 feet of my tent for sure. I was kind of like on the outside where it was, but yeah, it was just out there for a couple hours. We just kind of didn't know what to do. None of us want, I, yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to get out of our tent. Um, and eventually it started raining. So then it must have just kind of tried to seek shelter somewhere and had gone off. But yeah, that, that bear definitely had known we were there, um, whether it was because of my unclean apple cinnamon oatmeal pot or not. But yeah, it was a scary night. Which was inside your tent? Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, had we been cowboy camping, it could have, I don't know, been yeah. even more scary because like the security of your tent kind of made you feel safe, even though it's just like right there and anything could have happened. But It's sort of the... Uh, the catch 22. I mean, you feel a security being in your tent, but your tent also blocks off sight. So yeah, you're just hearing sounds, which can almost be more scary. Yeah, no, it was definitely a, a terrifying night. And at that point we had been hearing, we had been hearing uh, cases of grizzly bears, like working their way down from Canada or over from Montana. And so we're like, we convinced ourselves that there was a grizzly bear in our camp, but we'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How how close were you guys to being finished at that point? Uh, very close. I mean, I think I wish I could remember what wilderness we were in exactly, but we finished within a week after that, I think. I could almost see you guys running to the border. Oh, we, at that point we were running for sure. We were we were trying to finish. <laughs> right. You had the pressure of trail days, but I could also see you being like, okay, let's get this done. <laughs> yeah. What do you feel like was you, was one of your more challenging or most challenging days or times on trail? Uh, so I always think about on the AT, like I, I can specifically remember my absolute worst day. And I don't think I ever had one of those on the PCT. I feel like there was just a lot of days that were actually very ch- challenging and it was more than like a mental kind of challenge. It was like f- a physical challenge, but the, C- the Sierra, I'll say it again, was, I mean, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever, I've ever put myself through. And I don't know if I could think of one day in particular, but I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely times I remember where it was kind of, I was beyond the physical aspect of it. And it was like a mental breakdown. And from listening to Jade's episode with you, mm-hmm. um, she told a story and it was actually about me um, because I had been hiking with these six guys and I was, I reached a point where I like couldn't hold it in anymore. So I'm just like trying to keep up with these six guys that are just like sliding down, glissading Glen Pass, 
And at that point, I, I, I had loved glissading, but I had one bad experience where I got actually pretty hurt. So I was, I was afraid to do it at that point. So they were way down at the end and I was still trying to like make these big steps down this mountain pass. And by the time I got to the bottom, I was just sobbing and there was snot just like all down my face. And I come to them and they just like look up at me and then go on with their conversation (laughs) because they just had to be like oblivious to what was happening because we were all struggling. But being the girl in the group, I, I don't think they, they knew how to respond to what was actually happening. There's just overall struggles in the Sierra. So my worst day on the AT was just, it was after trail days and I won't forget it, but it was just the most rainy day. And I don't know if it's post trail days blues and just not ready to hike. But I remember I was trying to climb up this mountain and it was just a muddy river. And every step I made was just like sliding me further back down. <laughs> and it just like, eventually as, as I was making my way up the mountain where there was like kind of a, I don't know how to describe it. There was just a shelter up there that we were trying to reach. And as I was going up the mountain, like the temperature was just dropping and dropping and dropping and I'm soaking wet and I'm frustrated and angry. And I get to this shelter and it's full. Like, I think there was probably 30 people there and no room to get in. And I think I started to get a little like hyperthermic and I, I just needed to like strip off the wet clothes I had to put on something else. And eventually people were like moving in to, to give me a spot because they could tell I was, I was really struggling. Sometimes it's just like the elements really, really, they break you down, but you just have to wake up the next day and and keep going. Is that what you've kind of did in both of those situations? Yeah. You just have to like keep going. (laughs) I think that's all there is to through hiking is keep going. When you think of the AT and and your memories of the AT, like what comes to mind? What are the things that flash through the, through your mind? For me, the AT was like my trail family. The fact that I'm I'm still in contact with them daily, I, they they just made a huge impact on my life. Yeah, I don't the AT the AT was great. I'm glad that I did the AT before I did the PCT. I know that. Um, if I had done the PCT first and then went to the AT, I don't know that I would be as interested in finishing it. Why? I think the PCT just offers so much more. So once you just go on the AT, it's more of just like a grind. You're just hiking to hike. Um, so I know a lot of the people that I, I just hiked on the PCT with that are going to do the AT now. I feel like they're worried about that as well. But you don't have the grand vistas and such. Yeah. You're just kind of like the green tunnel that everyone talks about. And but the, the AT does have different aspects where you're, you're rewarded in different ways as far as you, uh, you cross into different States or, or, uh, I don't even know, but crossing into States is essentially like getting a view because you're just <laughs> looking forward to, you're just looking, yeah. you have to look forward to something where on, on the PCT, it was like, I I mean, 1,600 miles before you even reach Oregon. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, there, there is, I'm sure, many times when you're cursing the state of California. Yeah. I think breaking down a through hike was helpful for me. Trying not to think of it as, like, a whole and trying to just think of, not necessarily day by day, which is what you end up doing, but 
section by section or state by state. Circling back to the AT and, and your, your tramley or tramleys, I guess. What is sort of that iconic moment for you? Or what's your favorite moment with them? Oh, there's so many. I, I feel like it, it all kind of started in Franklin, North Carolina. Uh, we ended up getting a cottage. We rented like a cottage because all of the rooms were booked. Um, and that's kind of a part of, of the reunion that we're doing is they call it uh, No Sleep Till Franklin. And they've actually done it the past two years. So this would be my first time going. Just repeat the, that first 100, 100 miles together. But I mean, between... Franklin, North Carolina, and then trail days. Trail days is something that, like, all through hikers on the AT look forward to, and and it's a it's a great time to bond. You don't have to worry about hiking; you're just like hanging out. I don't know. Zero days are awesome with your with your trail family and just <laughs> staying in town. On the AT, we definitely had a. I think I took like sixty zeros or something on the AT. How many zeros? I'm, I'm a, a six zero, like sixty, <laughs> I, like. And an insane amount of zeros, but I mean, we had the best time. When by the time we got to Maine, I think I, I took a week in Caratonk. We ended up getting trail magic of whitewater rafting on the Kennebec. Uh, we took like another week in Rangeley. We just didn't want it to end. Like we knew that our time was running out, so we were just trying to do as much as we could together before we got to Katahdin. But I mean, Katahdin was probably the ultimate the ultimate uh, moment with my trail family because we're just up there and we've, we've done the thing and it's, it's going to be over. And we know that like, we're all going to go our separate ways as soon as we get to the bottom. It's funny. Like it sounds like on the AT, you guys were kind of storing up memories together. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas on the PCT, it was a different kind of a different approach. Yeah, I would say so. It just kind of happened that way. I think men, I think through hikers' mentalities are different on each of the trail as well. I think people take the PCT a little bit more seriously, and I know that that's kind of what happened to me naturally. But why do you think that, or why do you think that they do that, or you did that? I think it's, I think it's like maybe it's maybe it's the culture, or maybe it's because it was my second through hike. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people have always said that the AT is like the party scene and mm-hmm. you gotta like watch out for that. And it's not that it's necessarily a party scene. It's just maybe a different, different mentality. Well, you kind of have the shelters towns are closer. Yeah. Yeah. What is, so the same question for you, but, but on the PCT this time, kind of what is in your memory when you think of the PCT kind of, what are the, what are the things that flash to you? What are the images that flash for you? I kind of just like break it down. Like I think of, just going from the, the section to section. So I, from the desert and the people I spent time with there, and that was kind of like breaking the ice and then kind of the challenge of the Sierra and then the grind of uh, Northern California to Washington. But I mean, I definitely had a strong, strong trail family on the PCT as well. <laughs> like Tip Tap says, it is the people. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be quoting that for a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How do you think that the trails have transformed you? Because they always talk about the transformation of the through hiking and the trail and that kind of thing. 
Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, something that I think about is like, you kind of, to, to meet the people that you do while you're through hiking, you end up sacrificing your time in relationships with the people at home. And that's something that I've kind of had to come to terms with or try to understand because I'm, I mean, I'm home now and I feel like I'm not spending as much time or reaching out to, to friends that I have right here as much as I should. Um, but I'm also struggling with like trying to stay connected with all of these new friends that I've made from all over the country or all over the world through, through hiking. So yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's kind of like living two lives in a way, but overall through hiking, I think it's transformed me for the better. Um, it's, it's pushed me, it's challenged me and I've, I've seen glimpses of what I'm capable of and it kind of wants me to do more. Do you find yourself attempting things, doing things now that you would not have even contemplated doing before? Oh yeah. I wish I could like come up with an example, but I definitely <laughs> like, I don't know. I definitely feel more comfortable, I guess, with, with everything that I'm doing. So your, your threshold for, what one does when one is afraid has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like we should talk about that we haven't yet? Um, I mean, I can't think of anything necessarily. Where can people find you or where should people find you if they have questions for you or they want to follow your continuing adventures and see how the CDT goes? Uh, I do have the Instagram account, uh, my handle is just my name, Chelsea E. Fisher, with two R's. Other than that, I don't really have anything. Okay, perfect. Do you feel like this CDT kind of may be the next big thing? I guess you were saying that you wanted to do something this summer. Yeah, I'll probably try to find um, a, a shorter trail to do this summer, whether it's uh, maybe the JMT and try to see the Sierra in a different, <laughs> in a different <laughs> kind of way, maybe without snow love to actually go for a swim in one of those lakes but yeah maybe the Colorado Trail in the fall or I don't know anything could happen this year but CVT just kind of makes sense for uh next year so nice what if people were wanting to do the trail but they're unsure they're maybe a little scared or whatever what would you tell them it's okay to be scared and I mean you'll never find out if you don't try. So whether you go out there and you decide it's not for you or you go out there, it becomes a new passion for you and you end up hiking multiple trails. Just got to get out there and do it. You got to try. That is right. What is your trail name? (laughs) Uh, My trail name is PCP. Okay. Please, please unpack that. (laughs) I'm just a pretty cool person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, PCP. Where did you get that? Uh, I received that from my trail family in uh, Franklin, North Carolina on the AT. At that point, I had given a few people trail names and I was just, I hadn't received one. And it's not even a great story. They literally just asked me to talk about myself. And (laughs) the first thing that came to my mouth was that I was a pretty cool person or that I like to think I'm a pretty cool person. And they just went, oh, PCP, pretty cool person. And it stuck. 
<laughs> and I wasn't sure if it was going to work on the PCT, like PCP on the PCT, but it did. That becomes a tongue twister. Yeah. <laughs> because it really is hearing your stories, hearing your about your experience and that kind of thing. So hopefully you feel less nervous now. Oh, yeah. I was like in like a, almost a panic attack before you called me, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey that's just uh, it's something uncomfortable that you get comfortable doing I guess just like you're hiking yeah well and that's actually that was what my question was going to be was if you were feeling that panicked about it what made you decide to do it, it yeah just to like push myself to do something I'm not comfortable with um, I've actually been asked to do like a presentation before and I turned them down because I didn't think I would be able to do it. So, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily like a over the top nervous person or like, I wouldn't say I'm a terrible public speaker, but I just, I don't know. <laughs> Did possibly he- hearing Jade's conversation help at all? Uh, yeah, I actually went back and I, I listened to hers and Eleven. Did you hike with Eleven at all? No. Um, okay. I only met her at Trail Days, but she had messaged me on Instagram uh, when she was entering the Sierra. She was trying to get some information. So we kind of became friends uh, that way, just trying to like give her some, some tips and advice and then kind of just kept checking in with each other throughout the trail. It's so interesting to me how that kind of works. Yeah, how you how you meet people on the trail without actually even meeting them. I don't even know. Yeah. And and people know who's I mean, I guess maybe it's because of the of the trail journals or whatever, but you know who's ahead of you and you sort of create this really broad network of people around you. Yeah. I mean, social media Instagram I think has changed through hiking like I don't, I don't know if it's for the better or the worse or both, but <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I think about how I didn't follow through hikers before I started through hiking, but mm-hmm. now I do. So I guess that's just how it is. Why do you think you follow through hikers? Uh, because it's, it's, it's fun to look back on like seeing the experience that I might've already have or looking at potential experiences I could have. It's motivating to. You're your uh seeing their experiences and wanting to uh what's your appetite to get back out there oh for sure yeah <laughs> and kind of like <laughs> it it eases the crave when you can't get back out there as well i and I, it's funny because i in talking to a lot of through hikers now that is that is sort of the the common theme is it rarely stops with just one yeah, I don't know how anyone would ever be able to just do one through hike. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. There's something addicting about it, and I I hate to say say it in that that kind of cliche, but I don't know. It's like it's like having a a routine and a job, but in a much more like satisfying way.
show notes and links for Chelsea's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Chelsea for sharing her stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. This week, I'm going to keep it pretty simple and just leave you with listen. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>